Welcome to Brown Bag Religion, the MF Casser podcast. So it's 11.30, so it's, uh, we should get started here. Um, welcome, everyone. It's always a pleasure to see you, uh, like every Tuesday. And um, it's particularly nice for me today to welcome Brent Nongri <laughs> to MF Casser uh, today. So Brent and I have just signed a book contract with Yale University Press, uh, and today we are very excited to present this new book project for you. Um, as always, 13 minutes of presentation and then 13 minutes of discussion and question and answers. Um, and if you are here in the room with us, you can walk over to the microphone over there and ask your question. Uh, and if you are with us on Zoom, uh, you can put your question in the chat or the question and answers function, the chat function, chat. the chat function. And then uh, Esther will read uh, them for us. So Brent, do you want to start? Sure, thanks. Uh, it's, it's great to be here and great to uh, have the chance to talk about this, uh, this book. So this arose about a year ago, the brainstorming started on uh, the idea of writing a book about a uh, kind of practical guide to the study of manuscripts that addressed just sort of how do you go about doing this? Because neither of us had really thorough training as someone who works with uh, manuscripts specifically, but our research kind of carried us into that area. Um, and it also kind of falls underneath the umbrella of the Lying Pen of Scribes project, uh, Work Package 3, which is based here at MF and um, focuses on provenance research, media history, and ethics. And so these are issues that uh, arise in the study of the Dead Sea Scrolls in the Lying Pen, but also in the study of manuscripts more generally. So uh, our idea was to have this kind of practical guide for working with manuscripts that is just answering basic questions like, how do I find a particular manuscript? Uh, how do I go about asking to have access to study it? Um, what do I do when I'm sitting at a desk in a library with a manuscript in front of me? What things should I have brought with me? Um, <laughs> yeah, it's uh, these really kind of practical questions on the one hand, but then the kind of second aspect of this is uh, the ethics. Um, and this is really something that uh, I think both of us sort of wish we had training in uh, before the questions arose for us. So in my case, um, I was trained in papyrology, so the study of um, papyrus and parchment manuscripts from Egypt. Uh, I took the sort of standard introductory class in graduate school, learned how to work with the manuscripts, um, but it was really sort of nuts and bolts of reading the text, deciphering, uh, learning how to fill in the gaps and missing areas. Um, but we never really asked the question, um, where did this text come from? That is, how did it end up here at the museum? Uh, and so I ended up working with things that uh, in retrospect seem less than ideal, the kinds of things that have a history that just says, uh, purchased from a Swiss dealer in the 1990s. So the kind of thing that uh, you know, 20 years ago when I was doing this um, was just standard work in the field, but uh, it's the kind of thing now that raises a lot of eyebrows and rightly so. So uh, we want to add this dimension of the question of ethics as a part of this kind of introductory how-to book 
so that you know we don't have all the answers, but it's uh, something that we want to um, a question we want to raise for readers at the very beginning of their their study in these kinds of uh, what really are cultural heritage artifacts. So that's the sort of overview uh, of the book. And so what we thought we might do is just give you a sort of quick run through of the, the chapters of the book, the contents. And like the Vingborg said, we're, we just signed a contract for this book. And so we're at the very beginning stages. So whatever kind of input you guys have, we are very eager to, uh, to hear it. So <clears throat> one of the first things that we want to do in the book in the first chapter is to talk about uh, the materiality of manuscripts. So many people get into the study of manuscripts because they're interested especially in the text that they carry. Um, but starting in the 1990s, there was the movements that are called uh, new philology, material philology, that really brought the focus back to the physical manuscript itself. Uh, what can it tell us uh, beyond the text that it carries? Uh, what are the signs of usage from readers over the years? Um, how is a text laid out on the page? These kinds of questions. So we want to kind of introduce manuscripts as physical objects. And then after having done that in chapter two, we want to dive right into these questions of provenance. How did this manuscript get here? Whether it's in a library or a museum, uh, was it excavated uh, legally? Was it bought legally? Was it bought illegally? Do we not know? Uh, these are the kinds of questions that we want to um, raise. And it's a little bit nerve wracking because it causes us, those of us who are ancient historians, to have to kind of wade into uh, what can be sort of unfamiliar territory of modern history. Uh, and so it's just kind of setting up some resources for asking these kinds of questions. And uh, not everyone has to become a kind of investigative journalist, but uh, just to be able to know what questions to ask and maybe what um, resources are available for thinking through some of these issues. So I'll turn it over to you for uh, yes. chapter three. <clears throat> and then in chapter three, we are going to talk about dispersion uh, and finding your manuscript. So uh, the question we're asking is, once you have determined that you need to consult a manuscript, how do you find out where it is physically located? And of course, sometimes this is very easy because you may have in front of you a manuscript that is called, for instance, London British Library, mm -hmm. PAP 113 or something like that then you know where to go. But then there are others that have like very cryptic uh, shelf marks and maybe it's dispersed and then like you find it in many different uh, locations and so on. So it's not that easy at all. So what we want to do in this chapter is to show some of the resources that are there for you to find manuscripts. They can be like databases or they can be like, uh, you know, print catalogs or whatever. And to, to help uh, the reader to, to see how, how uh, a manuscript can be detected. And also, if you need to contact a curator, how do you do that? And how do you take advantage of that kind of situation where you have like a contact with an important uh, source in that sense? And in chapter four, we are going to deal with access. How do you get access to a manuscript? Um, because th this isn't always easy. Sometimes it is easy, but other times it is not. So what we are going to do here is to help you maximize your chances of getting access to a manuscript. Um, uh, and also to help you plan uh, your visit to the collection. Because this is 
uh, as he kind of hinted at saying that the, the things I should have known or the things I should have brought with me. Yes, there are things that like like these very practical issues that can determine whether your stay in a collection is successful or not. And so, so we are really going to go through what you need to bring with you. Um, and uh, do you really do you really need to see the manuscript, or is it enough to look at digital images? How uh, how do you go about uh, like getting access? Who do you need to be in touch with? Sometimes you need to rally your allies. Really, you need someone to write a letter of reference for you somehow. Um, and how do you contact the curators? How do you budget both with like time and money? And uh, what should you definitely not forget when you go on a trip? Um, so. Uh, and this chapter also then look at some and of the more like um, challenging sites uh, that you may encounter on the way. Uh, like access policies vary quite a lot between different collections. Uh, and sometimes getting access to a collection also depends on sometimes your scholarly status, really, your academic status, sometimes also your gender, your ethnicity, your affiliation, those kinds of issues. So we are not only going to talk about like practicalities, but also some of these really real social issues that are there around getting access to what you want to have access to. Do you want to add something or move on to chapter four? Uh, yeah, I think we can just yeah, we go can ahead. Just move on. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, so all of these issues surrounding access, they continue when you're actually in the space where you're working with the manuscript, whether it's a museum or a library. These are also really social spaces and so there are different kinds of hierarchies that you would need to be aware of different sets of rules and things that are in effect so uh, this chapter is just kind of alerting readers to these issues which uh, I know I kind of just stumbled in blindly to some of these places and then kind of realized after the fact oh I should be doing things differently uh, in some cases wearing different clothing um and yeah so there are all these sort of unwritten rules in addition to the written rules which can be very different from place to place and so that's another um just issue that we want to flag is to have a very kind of hyper awareness of the rules of the space into which you're entering whether you uh need to use gloves which some kinds of uh, repositories insist on uh, whereas others say, no, the worst thing you can do is use gloves because you can damage the pages more with them and you need to have like your most dexterous ability with your fingers, so never wear gloves. Um, so there are very different feelings that uh, different um, curators have and different reading rooms have. And so uh, we would just want to sort of raise all those issues in addition to what I mentioned earlier. Um, don't forget your plastic ruler, don't forget your um, camera if you're allowed to take photographs. Uh, <clears throat> as Living Borg pointed out to me, don't leave your nail polish on because <laughs> it can, yeah, it can have um, damaging effects on parchment. <clears throat> um, yeah, I'm, also be aware of the other resources in addition to your manuscript that are maybe only present at the repository. So things like archival records relating to uh, the acquisition of manuscripts. These can be uh, really, really important documents that sort of shed light on the, the life of your manuscript. Um, so yeah, this chapter is really uh, kind of 
getting down to all these practical things to remember while you have this very special moment of having the manuscript in front of you. So using all your senses, uh, looking carefully at it beyond the text, feeling it if you're allowed to, um, not tasting it, but maybe smelling it, uh, just trying to absorb as much as you can. And then the following chapter is uh, really the chapter about the letdown. Um, when you get back home, and now you maybe have all of your observation, um, maybe a lot of pictures if you're lucky, so tons of data, um, but you don't have the object before you. You have a sort of uh, remediated version of uh, the object in your notes, in your uh, photographs. And so this chapter is about how to deal with all of that, how to organize the data, how to make all of this material that you gathered actually become useful for you. Uh, because you can be super excited in the moment in uh, first dealing with this material, first getting access to a manuscript you may have studied for years. Uh, and when the euphoria comes down, then you just have a pile of data that you need to manage. Uh, and so this chapter offers tips for that. And just, I think, will probably repeatedly insist that no matter how much you think you're going to remember all these things, you're really, really not. And you need to figure out a way to, uh, to record this uh, material and make it useful to you. Okay, and then chapter seven. Seven is called asking for help. Um, when you work on manuscripts, there will definitely be things that you do not and cannot know. Uh, and that is kind of the starting point for this chapter. Um, and, and very often the thing is that the, much of the information that you should have known is not published. So there, there will be like, experts out there who know and otherwise things are not known uh, and that is tricky so what we're doing in this chapter is to kind of make suggestions as to how you can work around this part of it is uh, like networking in terms of like joining the facebook groups where you can ask questions email groups twitter you know wherever you can find colleagues that can be interested in the same things as you are and where you can ask questions there are several of these kinds of lists and resources. And then uh, on the occasions where you find out that the only way forward is to contact one of these experts, then we, uh, and we have some hesitation there because we know that there are some particular persons sitting out there in <laughs> different countries of the world and who are like receiving so much email and doing so much work for others all the time. So, but anyway, if you come to the conclusion that you have to be in touch with one of these people, how do you do that? So that mm -hmm. kind of questions. And then the, the final chapter is about publishing rights and permission. So uh, uh, often if you work on manuscripts, you want to have images in the publication that you uh, want to publish. And uh, uh, we here talk about how do you uh, get, um, uh, how do you get like um, publishing rights to uh, uh, images and to unpublished documents and so on, and how to navigate these processes. Because again, these processes or these, the rules vary. There are like some perks out there. <laughs> there are some, some hindrances and so on. So we'll help uh, the reader to get uh, on with that. And then there's a concluding chapter. Uh, Yes, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> Do we want to say something something more about audiences, maybe, and what kind of book we are imagining? Yeah, the, I, the, final... the I think the we're contracted for 150 pages, yeah. so a pretty thin book um, that we envision being useful to uh, graduate students in different areas who may uh, not be specializing in manuscript studies, but who may 
have need of uh, consulting manuscripts, uh, but not just students, also um, scholars who may be trained in kind of traditional exegesis of texts, but who uh, find their research pulling them in the direction of needing to consult manuscripts. Uh, a book like this should hopefully be uh, a good resource just for um, anyone who has uh, really an interest in dealing with manuscripts. Because this is not like a introduction to manuscript studies. No. This is a introduction to people who are already textual scholars somehow, and who also want to, to add on this kind of competence to what they're doing. That is our access point. Okay, that's it. Yeah.